Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 112 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. How are you, sir? Not bad at all. The episode numbers and Minisode numbers being out of alignment now means I really have to think about which episode number it is mm. when I do those introductions. Mm. I get that. That's, that's partly my fault. I think that calling it your fault is a bit harsh. I mean, you can't do anything about picking up a mad infected knee. It's more to do with my ancient creaking body. <laughs> Speaking of your ancient creaking body, how is the recovery trail going? The desiccated husk that is my body is on the mend. Lovely. Uh, pain largely gone, swelling largely gone. I do have a large fluid-filled sac directly on the kneecap, which is making things particularly difficult in terms of kneeling, lying down, bending my leg. But getting there, mate, slowly but surely, slowly but surely, that is retreating. Pleased to hear that. Um, I don't know if you noticed, I picked up an injury of my own. Yeah, I noticed you picked up a massive mystery bruise. Enormous mystery bruise. People who follow my personal Instagram might have seen this. <laughs> That's where it's all happening. <laughs> yeah. the fun's to be found. <laughs> Loads of vibrant, fun content, like um, pictures of giant bruises. But yeah, at some point last week, I picked up a bruise that is about maybe an inch tall. Um, Ooh, okay. And about mm-hmm. maybe half of the circumference of my arm. It looks like I've been like hit in the arm with a stick. It looks like someone has been raining blows on me. And I genuinely cannot even speculate how I got it. Yeah, it is a strange one it, it, that is also going away though um but it's been okay. about 10 days since it surfaced for date stamp purposes we are coming at you around about 10 30 on a saturday morning this week a little wow. bit unusual early early times yeah surprisingly on the ball but maladies aside sounds like we're both doing okay i think so yeah 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 things are feeling brighter all of a sudden yeah i agree i think that i didn't think that being able to go back out and do certain things would have such a boost psychologically for me, but it mm-hmm. really has. I think that be, being able to just, just maybe just go, like, go for a pint and things like that, I didn't expect to immediately take to it in the way that I have. I thought I would be a little bit more apprehensive, but it is nice to be back out in the world doing things um, in a sensible way. Good. Good. And I imagine this comes uh, as no surprise to anyone when I say, please wear your fucking masks. Yeah, Thank go you. on and do that, please. Still doing that, of course, everywhere I go. So... Moving away from the wider world and into the considerably narrower world of horror. What have you been watching this week? I checked out Juon Origins. Nice. Okay, so this is the basically the grudge prequel, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to give it away too much, but what I want to say to you is I know you're a fan of brevity. I am, yes. Six episodes, 25 to 30 minutes each. Okay. So uh, right up your alley. Yeah, I am embarrassed to admit that that tips the balance massively in favour of me watching it. So if you'd been like 10 episodes an hour each, I'd be like, yeah, maybe. But now I'll probably <laughs> I'll, now I'll probably watch this today. Right, yeah. I mean, it, it, like I say, it doesn't take up a massive amount of your time. And I actually thought it was really good. I've seen a few detractors to that opinion, but I am not among them. I enjoyed this. But one thing I do want to say 
it's tread carefully because there's some horrible disturbing stuff in here. Now, I have noticed this. I've, I've started kind of um, paying a little bit more attention to the horror groups that I'm in and just kind of like seeing what people are watching and kind of trying to get a little bit of consensus to try and watch a bit more kind of newer stuff and kind of try and get a read on things that I might actually enjoy because I'm getting a little bit fed up of coming on here and talking about things that I watched and didn't like. <laughs> okay. And I did notice a lot of people have been talking about this this week and the consensus that I've seen has been generally pretty positive but they've also said, yeah, it's like kind of just like strap in also because it is surprisingly dark. Uh, it's very dark, guys. Actually, there was moments I was like, whoa, okay, uh, bold. Cool. I think we need a little bit more of that every now and again, you know? I think so, I think so. But yeah, it's out there. And uh, if you liked any of the other grudge, well, the good grudge films, I'm looking at you, Nicholas Pesky, <laughs> um, then yeah, I'm sure you'll absolutely love this. And if you're a fan of J-horror in general, this should be for you. But like I say, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but uh, it does get rough at points. Cool. And you made it through the whole thing this week, yeah? Yes, I did. Yes. Lovely. Yes. Okay, cool. So um, it's a pretty solid recommendation there by the sense of it. Yeah. And another thing I'm going to recommend as well, positive all across the board from me this week, uh, that's two weeks in a row. I've been largely positive. Love that. Been a long time since I'd watched this, but I was cruising about on Twitter this week and I saw that our old pal Zoe Rose Smith, Zobo, mm-hmm. was talking about Jimmy Webber's 2014 film Eat. Okay, I still haven't seen this. You've not seen it? No. Nope. Ah, well, it's uh, pretty good. Very much my speed. Uh, ultimately, about a girl who eats herself. All right, okay, yeah, no, that does sound like something that you would enjoy slash make. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If I'd made if I'd made this, I'd be very, very happy with myself because uh, it's disgusting. Cool. Okay. And in um, the best way. In the best way. Yeah, sure. Um, and where's that available? We well, can get it on DVD in the UK through Monster Pictures. I don't know what the deal is with regards to streaming. I certainly haven't seen it anywhere, but that doesn't mean it's not there because I haven't been looking. But I own the DVD, so... Okay, so just kind of revisit it that way. That's cool. Um, So it is out there if you want to check it out. Yeah, yeah, and I would recommend it again. But again, not for those of a a nervous disposition, because it's pretty gross. Okay, cool. Is that the main thrust of your stuff for this week? Yep. Oh, the only other thing I've been doing is sitting on my PlayStation playing Ghost of Tsushima, which I'm sure you've seen plenty of other people playing on social media as well. Yep, did notice you um, having some chats with some listeners about that as well, which is always nice. Mm-hmm. So let me turn that light upon you, Mitch, and let the interrogation begin. What did you watch? <laughs> um, okay, so I have... Tell me now! Okay, so I have ticked every box this week, like I say. I've, I've managed to watch oh. everything in every category that we have. Okay. So um, for just a general film, I... Went back to i think it was 2018 that it came out over here and it was something that i missed at the glasgow film festival that year that a couple of people i'd heard kind of mixed things about it but i remember talking to people at the time when it played in glasgow and um, people seemed to be quite up about it um so i went back to 2018 with david freen's the cured all right okay this has got someone quite big in it Uh, ellen page ah yes of course ellen page you're thinking of yeah um so over the course of the last four or five months, can't think why, but I've generally been trying to steer clear of kind of pandemic horror. Like, <laughs> I, like I don't really want to watch stuff about zombies. I don't really want to watch Outbreak. I don't want to watch Contagion. I like Outbreak. Yeah, you know what? You've mentioned that once or twice. <laughs> but, like, um, I'm not saying that these things are meritless. It's just like right now, there's enough of that out there. I don't really want it in here in any way, in any sense of the word. Okay, fair enough. Um, But I did think, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to watch The Cured this week. And so it's an Irish production and what you have here is and it's 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 a really slow film which i think that a lot of people had issues with i think some people think it's like quite shakily paced i'm a little bit too tentative in how it gets to where it needs to go but like basically what you have is it's effectively a zombie pandemic that has swept the world but the focus of this is um ireland where it's apparently affected people very badly so what you have is a whole load of people got infected around about i think it's 75 percent of them have been cured now because a cure was discovered at some point and uh, they've been reintegrated into society and you've got this remaining 25 percent 
that have proven resistant to the cure and they are kind of held in captivity and it's about that and also the implications of the cured reintegrating into society and something that this film does that i'm certain has happened before but you know what i'm like i it's the first time that i'd seen it in a film Mm -hmm. was that the cured have recollections of what they did while they were infected all right okay so they come back and they try to like reintegrate with their families and some people can do it but some people also kind of feel like they need to be accountable for what they did when they were in this state or they can't forgive them for what they did in this state and it adds a really nice human element to it in a way that i don't remember seeing in anything else where people right. kind of come back from uh, because generally i think that it's fair to say that largely in zombie films you don't see people coming back i can't actually think of a time when that's happened i think that there's like some kind of antidote at the end of world war z um don't care but yeah I don't, I, that almost doesn't count to me but i think that it, having them kind of come back and having to be faced with the consequences of their actions despite the fact that it's very difficult to take responsibility for it because because they were a zombie when it happened. Mm -hmm. I think that that was really cool. And basically, like, it, it maybe does drag its heels a little bit in terms of getting to where it needs to go. But, like, I think that the idea was so fresh to me and the execution was nice because it's not sh it's not a showy film in any way. It's pretty understated and it has this kind of, like, indie drama sensibility to it all the way through. I think that this is really, really good. It was just a nice surprise. I just put it on because it's something that's been kind of on my list for a little while and I was just looking for cool. something that I could just kind of squeeze into this kind of... I had this very narrow window of time where I was like, I could watch a film right now. I just shot through my list, found something that the runtime was right and just shoved it on and I liked it. I kind of expected to like it a bit, but I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Right, okay, cool. So that's out there. I'll check that out. Yeah, I don't... Aside from knowing that it played at Glasgow and that there was somebody relatively famous in it. I don't really remember anything about it or remember hearing too much about it, so I might check that out. I mean, yeah, you've got a window to do that. Like I say, I'm not I'm unsure of what the uh, international availability is, but in the UK, it's available on Netflix now. Oh, right, okay. Cool. So uh, so that's The Cured. So... Mitch, what you in the 90s? I sure did. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, that sounds exciting. What did you watch? So I've been doing a lot of, um, after the kind of part where I was watching a lot of kind of hard to stomach stuff, mm -hmm. uh, like Shram and things like that. And then obviously I went through a spell of watching quite a few slashers and kind of mid-level teen kind of ones, like Disturbing Behaviour and yeah, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Decided to just go completely off book this time. I just jumped onto YouTube at like eight o'clock this morning. I was like, I'd had it pegged in my mind that Saturday morning was when I was going to do a 90s side quest film. So I woke up this true, morning, true. I went onto YouTube and I just put in 90s horror films. Okay. Uh, there was a 300 item list that I found. A vast majority of them have been deleted, but I did find 1991's Canadian made-for-TV movie, The Graveyard Story. Okay. <laughs> uh, fire away. Um, I don't know anything about this. I'll bet you fucking don't. Right, so... Um, uh, <laughs> This was directed by Bozidar D. Benedict. Oh, oh, oh my favourite. Um, and uh, it tells the story of a rich man who uh -huh. uh, discovers this grave of a little girl who died under mysterious circumstances. And for reasons sure. best known to himself, at least in the beginning, he becomes pathologically obsessed with finding out what happened to her because like her gravesite is very kind of run down and stuff and he's basically like how has someone kind of died this young and like there's no upkeep on the grave what happened here so he digs into this with the aid of a private eye and an intrepid newswoman okay now if you just put the graveyard story in 1991 into youtube you can find this and <laughs> okay. um i i cannot recommend enough that you do that it's 
absolutely wonderful in the worst possible way um right it's like, <laughs> you know those things where it's like for one thing every single ancillary character in this isn't even just like mediocre everyone is just aggressively terrible there's just incompetent stuffed into every frame it's incredible <laughs> but like also there's just like hilarious hilarious lines i'm not even going to try and quote them but what i will say is that at the start when he finds the grave of the wee girl which uh is kind of like he sees her in a dream and it kind of leads him to this place and he finds the oh and he, mysterious and, that's a, that's an element i hadn't expected well there you go but on the gravestone it says her name and then underneath it it says a tragic death of her innocent life <laughs> uh, wonderful i don't want to go too spoilery on this but i kind of assumed that there might be a supernatural element to it right um there's not and <laughs> um, what there is however is a significant muddying of the plot waters in the third act with a b story involving mobsters oh wow okay yeah um and a lot of montages of people struggling to photocopy materials from large leather-bound books <laughs> if all these things tick your boxes i cannot recommend graveyard story enough that's from 1991 it's on youtube like i say it's a canadian made for tv movie i don't know why i picked it but i'm very happy that i did wow okay graveyard story mm-hmm. held it here first literally i was gonna say that might be true <laughs> next up then Oh my god, we did one of these. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We did another smoky thriller. We finally had a Friday where all of our schedules were clear. Your parenting schedule also allowed mm. um, for this to go ahead. So uh, you, me, and uh, Jackie gathered around the Zoom mics once again for Smoky Thriller Friday. We had this one chosen miles in advance. Miles in advance, yeah. This had kind of been on a list and we'd walked through the majority of the list and uh, it just so happened that this was next up. So yeah, on we popped to dismissed dismissed yeah what can you say about dismissed uh one one thing i can say about it and that's interesting to me straight off the bat is that it was shot by mike testing who shot dementia part two and bliss he's worked in a lot of really good um indie horror in the last few years mike testing great stuff yeah. great stuff um and there's nothing wrong with the way this film was shot no 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 not at all no, no. uh my grievances with it I have, I have nothing to do with that so we have um, a student here a high school student Played by uh, Dylan Sprouse, best known hitherto for The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody and uh, Big Daddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. And but here, um, playing a slightly more malevolent character. I would say that's fair to say. This, this uh, character that he's playing here is batshit crazy. Uh, yes. So we, he's this um, aspiring academic who uh, moves to a new school and immediately uh, starts talking in a way that no human has ever spoken. No, he's incredibly robotic in his demeanour and frankly annoying. I think that like that's actually a problem with a lot of dismissed for me. I think that it's very hard to take any of it seriously because nobody is talking or acting in a way that humans do. <laughs> right, okay. But basically, this teacher who is kind of established as being this kind of well-meaning family man but is still also somehow very unlikable gives him a b plus for this preposterous oversized bound essay that he hands in uh he wants an a and so begins this incredibly high stakes destruction of this teacher's life <laughs> yeah it's it's wild like, all, the, the entire entire events of this film stem from the fact that he gets a b plus rather than an a he takes it upon himself to absolutely destroy this teacher who by the way is the least compelling lead actor i've seen in anything in a long time he's an incredible sad sack for guy isn't he 
yeah, I, I didn't like him at all. And there was moments I found myself saying, I'm rooting for the psycho kid. I don't know if I ever went that far in that direction, but I do hear what you're saying. I think that the problem is that he was incredibly difficult to root for. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's especially true kind of as the stakes heighten and things get darker as this goes on i think that when he has to hit some kind of more complex emotional beats you can really really start to see the holes yeah he's a total drip absolutely that's a good way of putting it so dismissed i mean it's not entirely without merit midway through andy i think it's fair to say that you were the one that was most invested me and jackie were both kind of struggling you were like no this is gonna get dark i can feel it yeah i I wanted to see how it kind of played out but i think there was a moment where you guys were just kind of tuned out and were just sitting there drinking at that point Uh, mm, it's not a million miles off the mark but gotta hand it to you you were right we were right to persevere so if you want to know what we're talking about and uh, come up with your own opinions on this smoky thriller uh, (laughs) dismissed is available on netflix now not the smokiest, I've got to be honest, but uh, I preferred it to The Mystery of Michelle, which I know you liked a lot more than I did. Yes, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I must admit, like, we were running through the list of things that we'd watched last night when we'd finished, and some of the titles you were reading out to me, I was like, I have no recollection of watching that at all. <laughs> yeah, I think Killer Cove was a particular point of confusion oh, for Jesus you. Jesus Christ, absolutely. Yeah, I was like, oh, I've never heard of that. You're like, we watched it a month ago. <laughs> I'd awake and you were like, what was awake? And I was like, literally the last one we That was a good one. That was a good one. I just forgot the title. Anyway, a warm welcome back to Smoky Thriller Fridays. Of course, I'm not going to make any uh, bombastic statements about this coming back next week. We never know for sure. But nice to revisit that and dismissed us on Netflix now if you want to check that out. It is, yeah. Feedback time then. And we have, of course, had a whole bunch of stuff coming in this week. Big thank you to all of you. Some stuff coming in on Ghoulies 2. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not surprising at all um, on account of the fact that it was this past week's episode. Big thank you to the director of The Perish, Mr. Paddy Murphy, for joining us once again to talk about that. Yes, thank you, Patrick. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Zombies Lou Gorehound, who uh-huh. has been uh, interacting on the Chud Locker this week, um, talking about what he's been watching, things like that, but also flagged up the fact that he's got a VHS of Ghoulies 2. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, s- still with its uh, Woolies 10.99 price tag on it. 10.99. Wow, superb. Yeah, see, in today's money, four grand. <laughs> <laughs> so, By today's step reckoning, he is a millionaire. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Lewis, that was a really cool thing to see. So uh, thanks for taking the time to show us that. Yeah, absolutely. I've got Saltile Popcorn getting in touch to say, great episode. Oh, cool. I still love the film. I have already forgotten so many favourite lines you guys uttered, but Chekhov's trapeze artist is up there. <laughs> and this is the best Ghoulies movie. Ghoulies Go to College did not have the same unintentional layering. Also, I think we just always think it was gorier, but I'm sure it would cut away from that last deadly pendulum swing and you heard the sound effect. That's possible, I guess. Yeah, that comes from me believing that the cheap, shitty old MGM DVD that I've got is cut because, I don't know, it seems much tamer than I remember, but that's quite possibly the rose-tinted glasses thing. Sure, potentially. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, Do you have anything else on Ghoulies before we move on? I don't. I don't have anything else on Ghoulies. Right. want to say a quick hello and just a general acknowledgement of Stevie's behaviour this week. (laughs) Well, I I think Stevie's behaviour this week's been absolutely reprehensible. (laughs) So what I want to say first is um, Stevie has made it back to a cinema. He has, well done. He went to see uh, Parasite in black and white. Yes, at the Curzon Mayfair. So uh, not quite home, not quite back in the office yet at the Curzon Soho. Definitely back out there in the cinema-going world. Stevie, we're all delighted for you. Hopefully this madness can end. Stevie, let us know how it works at the cinema in terms of PPE and in terms of social distancing and stuff because I'd be quite keen to know what you're 
new situation was like. Yeah, I'd be quite curious to know what that experience was like. I'm kind of hoping that when some of the cinemas up here reopen in a couple of weeks, I'm kind of hoping to get to a couple of things just to kind of get back into the habit again. But I'd be curious to know how that went. Yeah. But yeah, Stevie, when he has not been at the cinema in the last few months, he has been watching some crap, which he had up until relatively recently been keeping to himself. But um, he's now starting to call himself the Pied Piper. <laughs> Yeah, because he's actively egging people on in the social media channels and in the Treadlocker to try and get people to watch the same rubbish as him, which um, is extremely harsh behaviour, I think, but also very funny. Um, Stevie watched Slenderman this week. Yeah, contrary to our advice, Stevie watched Slenderman, but uh, coming up on a slightly more positive tip than we did. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. So he posted in the uh, in the Treadlocker saying, "I just watched Slenderman." Honestly, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. For me, it definitely tries too hard to follow down the path of films like It. Its failure is the last half of the film. It feels very rushed. I've definitely seen worse films and at no point wanted someone to tweet the safety word pub. It's also a far better film than It Chapter 2. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty controversial, but I do hate It Chapter 2. Yeah, I'm not a fan myself, but similarly, I'm not a fan of Slenderman. I, like I say, I prefer the Bye Bye Man to Slenderman. I'm increasingly thinking that I'm going to have to rewatch Slenderman to uh, recenter my opinion on it. But this is exactly what Stevie wants. I'm playing into his hands if I do that. Don't do it. Don't be. Don't be led by him. This is all part of his ultimate endgame. Because he did. Because he did ensnare some people into watching Slenderman this week. He did. Yeah. In fact, Alexis Donnelly watched it. <laughs> she said, For "Fuck's uh, sake, Christ. guys." Yeah, I know. Christ, Stevie, I watched your Slenderman. Your Slenderman as if Stevie made it. Uh, There is 90 minutes of my life gone. And I was hoping at the end all the Waynes would be abducted. uh, Waynes as children for uh, international listeners Mm -hmm. would be abducted for their poor acting and the scriptwriters would be abducted for their poor writing and the effects team would get abducted, etc, etc. But overall, I'm glad I watched it. What? Oh my God. So thank you, Stevie. Hmm. This is a corruption. Andy, I've got a question. Mm. Do you think it's irredeemable? Uh, personally, yes. <laughs> I think it's irredeemable. I think we may have to revisit that. <laughs> who can say? Um, speaking of Patreon stuff, let's say a quick hello to Laura, buying an LV on Twitter, who got in touch this week with a really cool idea. Ah, uh, yeah. She said, just an idea maybe for Patreon, maybe cover the occasional Mitch's Pitches film. Uh, sorry if I'm making work for you guys, as you already do so much. First off, Laura, thanks for that. But also, um, whether or not it'd be something we do on Patreon or not, um, occasionally covering a Mitch's Pitches film is just a fun variant i'd be quite up for that yeah i'd be keen to do that as well because that is quite often the case that these things are either uploaded in bad quality on youtube or they're available largely on amazon prime because it's chock-a-block with absolutely bonkers stuff absolutely we can have a chat maybe about what the best platform for that would be maybe look into Mm. dropping a couple in future see how they work see what people think absolutely i think it's fair to say actually that in general um after obviously we cancelled the episode last week and we tried the irredeemables thing with the bye bye man and the response to that was so good we are kind of amenable to the idea of tweaking the format a little bit just for the sake of variety every now and again mm, so um if if people do have ideas for the kinds of episodes or the kind of conversations you'd like us to have then all the usual channels are open you know um uh, we'd love to know what things you'd like to hear more of or things you'd like to hear differently always up for hearing those things can't promise that we'll do anything with them but we'll definitely hear you out absolutely uh keen o'brien getting in touch now last week i watched sea fever you did and i criticized Dougray scott's accent mm-hmm. didn't think it was particularly authentic keen disagrees saying as a native myself native of ireland i should say mm-hmm. i've unfortunately in a lot of cases had to subject myself to pretty much every variation of an irish accent there is and I can safely argue that Dougray Scott's accent in Sea Fever is solid as fuck. Fair play. Now, I accept that. I accept that because the man obviously knows his onions. Mm-hmm. 
I'd be interested to know exactly how terrible my Irish accent is in the Raw Head Rex episode. Oh my god, don't remind me. Yeah, okay. I've got a couple of other little bits and bobs. Okay. Uh, Andrew Marshall getting in touch. Entertainment news writing can sometimes be a bit of a grind, but when a story comes along that gives you an excuse to reference secret obsession, you have to take it. <laughs> I love the fact that secret obsession is such a thing now. It just won't go away. It won't. Um, I have one thing left, but it's like quite sizable. Okay, I've got another thing, but it's a little bit smaller. Okay, uh, you do yours first then, because there's a few points to this closing one here. All right, okay. I think this is a new person alert. I could be wrong. Pod person, pod person 4268. Okay. (laughs) At Razor's Edge Media. Uh, Not ringing a bell, but um, yeah, cool. Sounds like a new person to me. What are they saying? I'll happily join you in the minority of disliking Child's Play 2019. Oh, cool. Okay. I just found it to be incredibly dull and predictable. Also, Mark Hamill's voice just didn't work as Chucky. I agree across the board on that, I must say. Um, first off, uh, welcome aboard. Thanks for getting in touch. Always nice to hear from new people. Mm-hmm. Can't fault your analysis there. I didn't like Child's Play 2019 at all. Uh, so yeah, high hopes for the series. Yes, yes, same here. I want to say hello to Chris Skelp. Ah, yes, recent Patreon subscriber. Yes, recent Patreon subscriber. Also, a new person in general has been starting to interact over the last couple of weeks. This is really interesting. I've been really enjoying the messages we've been getting from Chris because basically what he's done, it seems, is that he's listening through the minisodes chronologically at the moment and he's he's listening to episodes where he's seen the film. Right, okay. So we got in touch and said, in my quest to listen to all the previous mini and bonusodes, I've now reached the dizzy heights of number 25, with a brief detour to the two full episodes where I've seen the film previously. And I have a couple of observations and thoughts, so then we should take these in turn. Sure, yes, fire away, very interesting. Yeah, um, one, things got so much better when the feedback was moved into the minisodes. Chris, I'd forgotten there was ever a time where we did feedback in the main episodes. Uh, I remember that, and I remember it, like, if you go back to episode one, where we did Friday the 13th, part five, we talked a bit about what we'd been watching that week at the start. Yeah, it's all pretty weird now, isn't it? Yeah, when we look back on it, it's like a, it's like a different time, Mitch. Like a different Andy, different Mitch. It is. It is. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And and, and you know, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I think the the format is far tighter and cleaner now. I agree. I think, and I actually said that in a reply to him. I said that I think that like it kind of makes the main episodes a little bit more focused, but also at that point, it just gave us a chance to make the minisodes a little bit more substantial too. Also, point two, Mitch's pitches has also improved from the early days of guess this film to the much more entertaining make up your own film format yeah the early days of Mitch's pictures is pretty lackluster I don't really know what I was doing it all got very silly very quickly and I agree I think that it's infinitely improved from then on but it improved exponentially when uh, listeners started joining in can't disagree with that that was what really made it um, point three will Mitch ever make it through the shockwaves 100 or will it be dropped quicker than a new character in pieces no spoilers please I'm not going to say a thing no, uh, no, no just... I'm not going to say anything at all but uh, suffice to say you've got a long road ahead of you yeah point four a little bit more controversial right armageddon is great don't at me it's like i won't at you but i will tut at you from a distance yeah and also this is our podcast so we can say whatever we want on it and i will say strong disagree sir Um, number five, my letterboxed watch list is now in danger of being large enough to create its own gravity. Chris, whatever you're watching, whether it's something that we've recommended or something that we've covered for the show, it would be pretty cool to hear if you were discovering anything new that you liked, loved, hated. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also says he needs to watch Extro right away. Yeah. There's a lot of fun to be found in Extro and a lot of weirdness as well. I'm sure uh, Dennis Extro Atherton can weigh in here and recommend it in a way that is far more effusive than either me or Mitch are able to conjure up. Absolutely, 100%. Um, and basically just also said that the next thing that you had to listen to was the live episode with Starship Troopers and Andre Gower. Oof, that was our first live show. It was indeed. We were citing ourselves. Hopefully it's not too obvious. I feel like that's something that's improved over time. Yeah, I think that is probably true. 
true. But um, yeah, we're kind of always trying to improve, but it is interesting to hear from people who are kind of coming at it from the beginning. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> so. Yeah. It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. For those of you who are unfamiliar, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It'll be the poster from a horror film from years gone by. It'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and left only the identifying text. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it both a title and a synopsis. So we will post this all over the social media channels so you guys can join in as well because that's generally the better part of this. I don't mind saying Especially particularly true, I think, this week when I reappropriated breeders as bargaining chips. Oh, yeah. Uh Yeah, not a classic performance. (laughs) Terrible. Um, Pretty terrible. But, yeah, quite a few of you getting in touch with pictures of your own this week. Very interesting. Let's hear them. Yeah, they're pretty good. I'm not going to lie. So, let's begin with Instagram and CP Buckley. When a race of aliens come to Earth to mate with 80s all-girl pop group, we have tits. What? Their, their manager, Mamory Gazer, must help to save the girls and fight off the aliens. <laughs> but when he discovers that the aliens have fantastic singing voices, he must make the decision. Fight for his girl group or try to sign the next big thing in the 1995 throwback Voice of an Alien. <laughs> okay. Uh, Honey underscore Ray on Twitter, an alien scout sent to spy on humanity to keep him busy becomes obsessed by women, attempting to claim as many as possible for his reports. But suddenly faced with four angry beauties on his cramped spacecraft, he realises he's underestimated them in Invader Grimm, failure to report. (laughs) Um, A lot of girl group stuff going on, which is obviously the same angle that I had. Uh, Laura Bynan and Facebook 80s girl group The Wavelengths get themselves possessed by an alien manager in 1991's Dave DeCoteau Empire flick, They're Coming to Get You, Barbara. (laughs) Kevin Matthews on Facebook Facebook in the ill-advised hentai spin-off to Nuns on the Run. Robbie Coltrane and Eric Idle are replaced by Mark Addy and a young Mackenzie Crook in a tale of crazed insect alien invaders. <laughs> the young women they snatch up to make fight in pools of jelly for their own amusement. And two men still inexplicably trying to pretend they are nuns for no good reason anyone can fathom. Yes, it's 1995's oddity Nuns on the Run 2. Tentacles, breasticles, wallop and watch. <laughs> And finally, we have Chris Salt. Okay. When mysterious circles of flattened corn appear in the fields outside the sleepy Texas town of Las Gropas, <laughs> local sheriff Rusty Star at first suspects a prank by local <laughs> teens hopped up on goofballs and out to cause a ruckus. But that doesn't explain the strange sucker marks on a nearby cow. And when one of the teens, Mary Jo Cousins, turns up missing, he has to accept that things may be more serious than he first thought. Soon, more young women begin disappearing without a trace, and Star is forced to face the only plausible explanation. That tentacle terror from Beyond the Stars is abducting the local beauties to put them in an intergalactic sex zoo. (laughs) Can one man stand against the alien onslaught and put a stop to their sleazy stratagem? Find out in 1987's Invasion of the Booty Snatchers. Excellent stuff. Pretty glorious. That's the pick of the bunch this week. So, uh, best pitch and best character name, please. Best pitch to Chris, best character name to Mamory Gazer. Mamory Gazer. So CP Buckley and Chris are winners this week. Two lots of nothing, one each heading in your respective directions at the behest of Rab the Delivery Driver. Big well done. Yes, well done, guys. Excellent stuff as always. Thank you. My turn now, then. Yes, are you ready? I certainly am. The image is winging its way to you through the ether. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. Okay, it's here. There's a lot going on here. I'll say that. But yet not... No, I suppose not. Okay, right, okay. So the border to this image is uh, white. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, the background is black. Bottom third of the image is completely black, which is, I'm assuming, where the text has been removed. We've got Correct. a fair slash ginger-haired uh, woman in a state of some distress occupying the right-hand side of the image. She has blue eyes and is looking off to her right and our left, aghast, mouth open. Blue eyes, you say? What's that? Blue eyes. Well, a singular blue, blue eye. I'm assuming that under normal circumstances, her right eye would also be blue, but there's no way of telling for sure because her visage is being cracked through by a beast of some kind. Um, okay, uh, I'm going to need more detail than that, Mitch, I, I'm afraid. It's, well, it's very difficult to tell exactly what it is. Um, so I'm going to leave that deliberately vague to allow me some uh, some wiggle room when it comes to pitching. But uh-huh. it's in side profile. We're, I think that we're looking at its head side on. kind of looks like a bird's head, to be honest. And it's got a big red eye, a beak, and loads of fangs. I'll, I'll tell you what it looks like. I think I know what you think it looks like. Lady bits. <laughs> I'm going to go with beast head on its side. Oh, uh, okay. Right, so that's just about it, I think. Um, fair slash ginger-haired woman uh, looks off into the distance, aghast, shrieking, while the right-hand side of her face is broken through by a fanged animal with red eyes. Or a fang. Sure. I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> no problem. This is taking me back to the episode that we did with Zobo, actually. Yeah, I can see, I can see why you've connected the dots there, yeah, for sure. That's not the road I'm going to go down here. It's definitely not the road you're going to go no, down. No, absolutely not. I'm guessing that though, you are going to go for some kind of skinned avian killer. I'm not going to make any promises about avian. Right, okay, I've, yeah, so you just you just kind of said that and cast it off. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to go with it being a beast head. Just, right, okay, generic beast. Generic beast, yeah, exactly. Mm, I can hear the fevered scribbling now. Yeah, uh huh. See, I've, I've, you know that thing where like I've had an idea and I've started writing it, and midway through I'm like, "Is this terrible?" Um, <laughs> Only I can be the judge of that. And then like it's like, well, I'm too far in now. The time's almost up. I get the feeling you do that with alarming regularity. Yes, I think ultimately what I would prefer is more time to workshop these, but I do have something here. Okay, let's do it. Introverted plastic surgeon Dr. Tammy Tuck is one of the leading practitioners in her field, known in cosmetic circles as one of the leading lights in her profession. However, what our hordes of admirers don't realise is that for years, Dr. Tuck has harboured an intense, deep-seated resentment for the glamorous Hollywood elites and what she perceives to be their stifling vanity. Having spent decades cementing herself as the number one surgeon to the stars, it's time for Tammy to finally show them the folly of vanity. Injecting the stars with microscopic eggs harvested from a rare Amazonian reptile, award season is ravaged by legions of beautiful celebrities collapsing to the ground as the eggs hatch and the cosmetically concealed carnivores burst forth from the victims' faces and brutally savage them to death. With Tinseltown under siege from a legion of ravenous reptiles, it's up to plucky amateur surgeon Dr. Faye Slift to intervene in 1978's searing body horror commentary on vanity and celebrity, The Lip Filler Killer, Tammy Tuck's Botox shocker. Go under the knife and fight for your life. <laughs> that wasn't so bad. Thanks. <laughs> I was trying to do wordplay and alliteration and rhyming and stuff like that. I was basically just throwing shit at the wall. Yeah, yeah. And um, in terms of what stuck, uh, what did you say? What year did you say? 78. Okay, it's 1986. Okay. And for the first time ever, I could tell you that the film is Breeders. Fuck off. <laughs> I just thought the poster was too cool to let it slip away. It's just a different poster for Breeders. Yeah. <laughs> you can be Breeders two weeks in a row. Yeah. Do you have to pick a different IMDb synopsis for this demonstrably terrible sounding film and read it? No, I'm going to read the exact same <laughs> one again from Ed Sutton. <laughs> <laughs> 
again and he surprised me uh who's our synopsisizer this week i just told you it's ed sutton again ed sutton imagine that okay ed this i'm sure this is going to be really fresh and enlightening on you go the manhattan general hospital has admitted a string of young women who have been raped by something <laughs> otherworldly the perpetrator only attacks women who are virgins dr pace and detective andreotti return <laughs> To work together to try and isolate the strange organic material found on the victims. No shit. And to try to locate the fiend. Soon the victims begin arising in a trance and leaving the hospital by an underground passage where their fate awaits them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, I already know that you think that this film's shite. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. That image is everywhere if you want to join. I him. promise it won't be Breeders next I would week. Not, it would be hilarious <laughs> if you did it. I must admit, if you went for the hat trick, it would be funny. But uh, yeah, that's available everywhere. That that image is everywhere. If you... Do you know, Mitch, honestly, right, I've, I've considered doing this so many times because there's a lot of films out there that have got cool posters like for different territories, even for the same territory. And I've considered doing it a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that that one was kind of so different to last week's one. Yeah, oh yeah, I would never have connected the dots. It was the same film, like, no way. Yeah, so there you go, breeders. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah, that's Mitch's Pitches for this week then. Um, if you want to get in touch with a pitch of your own, then uh, we'll let you know all the channels. You can do that at the end of the show. So taking a look at the streaming platforms for this week then, and uh, we have got a whole bunch of stuff here, I must say, of varying eras across multiple platforms. So Netflix first then. Uh, on Wednesday 29th, we've got The Hater. Okay, what's this? A duplicitous young man finds success in the dark world of social media smear tactics, but his virtual vitriol soon has violent real-life consequences. A lot of V's in there, I like mm-hmm. it. I'm a big fan of alliteration. Mm-hmm. Friday 31st, got season two of The Umbrella Academy. You know, a few people will be pretty excited okay. about that. Um, on Saturday, August 1st, got a few things there. Blade Trinity. Oh, right, okay. Uh, Recognising that they're powerless to stop vampire hunter Blade, the vampires who rule the human race set him up to look like a serial killer. Yeah, this has got uh, Ryan Reynolds and Triple H. Wow, okay, there you go. Uh, nothing that they've collaborated on before has ever been bad, so um, I'm sure that that's <laughs> fine. Uh, the Mask, a hapless bank teller, discovers an ancient mask that turns him into a zany prankster who acts on all his deepest desires i haven't seen this since i was really young oh, oh is this a, of course it's the jim the jim carrey one yeah, the very same oh right okay mm-hmm. uh the call an abducted teen and a sympathetic 911 operator work together over the phone to stop a dangerous serial killer from striking again all right um a lot of stuff from the kind of 90s early noughties here american history x also landing a neo-nazi gets sent to prison for murder and comes out a changed man but can he prevent his younger brother from following in his footsteps this is fucking great it's excellent it's uh it's it's horrible but it's amazing and kind of feels particularly timely just now mm, yeah. so um so get that watched and also deep impact oh excellent the massive comet threatening to destroy earth the u.s president appoints a steely veteran astronaut to lead a crew into space to destroy it i prefer deep impact to armageddon okay for play um i've had dental procedures that i preferred to armageddon <laughs> nothing really doing on amazon prime as far as i can see uh now tv has it's not really a horror film but i really want to recommend it anyway because it's great friday 31st got knives out all right okay yeah it's brilliant but you did just talk about the mask so i feel like you could pretty much talk about anything yeah i'm kind of stretching the limits of it a little bit i must say and turn our attentions to shudder this might not be comprehensive august highlights were hard to come by and obviously turns august midweek but um a few things coming up this week on shudder on monday we've got 1976's alice sweet alice all right um alice a 12 year old girl suffers due to her mother's ignorance and her neglecting her in favour of her sister Karen. She becomes the prime suspect when Karen is brutally murdered. Also, we've got on Thursday the 30th. This could be of interest to you, I think, and actually to a lot of people out there. We've got Shudder original documentary, four hours plus this is, In Search of Darkness. 
So it's a documentary examining 80s horror year by year, covering topics like the home video revolution, poster art, practical effects, score, budgetary challenges, pop culture context, and much more. The guests on this, the list of guests here is enormous, but um, it does include, amongst other people, Joe Bob Briggs, Tom Atkins, Mick Garris, Heather Langenkamp, and many more. Wow, okay. So Sweet. that's available from Thursday. That's your lot for the uh, streaming platforms this week. My inclination for a pick would probably be either American History X or the Shudder documentary in Sasha Darkness. Yeah, I'm going to go with that Shudder documentary. That sounds excellent. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, so the streaming platforms, that's everything. Or it's not everything, but that's the highlights that we could dig up for this week. Um, I want to talk about, we did this last week um, with a couple of trailers that had come out, and I feel like it's worthwhile doing that again this week. Because this week we did see the release of the teaser trailer for Terrifier 2 from Damien Leone. Yeah, we did. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so Art the Clown is returning for, I guess, his third appearance on film after uh, Terrifier and All Hallows' Eve. Um, I thought that this was worth a mention because we both hate Terrifier. And again, I feel like we're firmly in the in the minority here, but I think Terrifier's got Yeah, awful. I can't stand it either. So we thought that it might be worth talking about because, honestly, the trailer for Terrifier 2 looks pretty promising and it looks like it's improving on a couple of our main problems with the original. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In that it seems to be widening its scope a little bit. It seems to actually be interested in having a story. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't seem to be entirely focused on violence and against women. Yeah, which is always encouraging. I liked a lot of things about the trailer i think that for a teaser trailer i think it shows you quite a lot it does yeah but uh, i don't think that's to the detriment of it because it certainly piqued my interest more than almost anything in the first film did it's brighter it looks more fun it looks zanier i've never i've never had a problem with the look of the character of art the clown or the character himself um it was more just that first film that i just really couldn't get on board with at all yeah i completely um, so agree. I, i'm i'm kind of interested in this one yeah me too me too um so we'll have some more information on that as and when it arises but yeah that's out there the teaser trailer for terrifier 2 is available I'd be curious to know what you guys think of it turning our attentions then to this week's show and we do have a guest again yes we do he is one of the masterminds behind mad science films he is and most recently the director of the film little monster it's james plum this week yeah james is joining us finally to actually talk about a film that has been mentioned on the show a couple of times before mm-hmm. but obviously never covered before so we're going back to 1988 here mm-hmm. for mark goldblatt's dead heat dead heat with james plum this week what a combination yes yes yeah, treat williams and joe piscopo get it watched it's excellent and i think it's on amazon prime. it is on amazon prime yes yeah. so james plum joins us this week to talk dead heat how are you feeling about that get in touch with us through all the usual channels facebook and instagram or strong language violent scenes you can tweet us as well at strong violent pc you can email strong language violent scenes at gmail.com and you can of course interact with other listeners on our facebook group the chud locker the chud locker indeed and i'm not going to mention the website because that's a bit up in the air just now but it will be coming back bigger and better than ever but I'm going to mention our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes because there's loads of cool stuff over there and more content coming very, very soon. Yeah, mm-hmm. plans very much afoot for the next kind of wave of stuff there. So if uh, you want to chip in and get some cool stuff in the process, then you can head over to patreon.com slash strong language violent scenes. So we're back on Friday talking dead heat with little monster director James Plum. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 